Hey, Happy New Year, Bethel. It's great to have you all here in the house. Those of you joining us online, my name is Pastor Rob. I'm excited to kick off a new series for the new year, and we're calling it Just Show Up. And we're calling it because I read a book with the same title a few months back. And as I was reading that book, I really felt like God was saying, hey, let's let's do a series on this. And so we're going to use the ideas in this book um, to sort of springboard into our, our study. This is a great book to get. It really is. And so if, you, if you're not familiar with it, get a copy of it and you can read it. It's really challenging. And the quote in the box is what the book's all about, the, the blue box. We tend to think it's the big, bold moments that matter. And then in small print, in reality, it's the steady accumulation of small acts of obedience to God that add up to a life of meaning and impact. Did you catch that? We're looking for the magic bullet. We're looking for the winning lottery ticket. And the way you, f- you have a meaningful life, a fulfilled life, is by taking little steps of obedience, but they accumulate over a lifetime. That's the call that Jesus has on us. He's saying, hey, come follow me. Take these little steps of obedience, because in reality, it's the steady accumulation of small acts of obedience to God that add up to a life of meaning and impact. That's what this series is about. And you know what? A lot of us make New Year's resolutions to kick the New Year off. I don't know if you do or not. Here's the, the top resolutions that people set this year here in, this, in the U.S. It's saving money, exercising more, and eating healthier. Woo! Sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? So how do we do in keeping our resolutions? I don't know if you're aware of the stats. 23% quit by the end of the first week. The first week. 60 plus percent by the end of January, they're done. Threw in a towel. 81% by the end of February, they're done. By the end of the year, 91% of people who started the year with resolutions have stopped. Only 9% succeed. And I'm telling you, the reason more of us don't succeed in accomplishing the goals that we set to better ourselves is because we're looking for the magic bullet. We're not look, we don't realize it's the little steps along the way that get us to our destination. Jesus taught that very thing. That's what this series is about. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you four little steps of obedience to take that are really going to set the stage for this whole series that I believe are going to set the stage for the year for each of us. Four little steps. And all of this is on our digital notes page. If you don't know where that is, stop at the Welcome Center. They can show you how to get there. But here we go. Step number one, yoke up with Jesus. If you've been at Bethel for a few months, you've heard me talking about this idea. Jesus is the one who says, hey, take my yoke. Take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. A yoke is a contraption that would couple two animals together, and they'd work together in the field. And Jesus is inviting us to yoke up with him, to do his life, to walk on his road. And the reality is, we do better for ourselves this year if we say we're going to be yoked with Jesus, especially in the difficult times. Especially the difficult times. Because listen, I, let me get to this verse. Jesus speaking here. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And Jesus is giving an illustration people in his day knew all about. You plant a seed 
the seed dies, but the seed gives life to dozens and dozens and dozens more seed. And Jesus is going to use that picture about us. So Jesus says, those who love their life in this world will what? Lose it. If you think your plans and your goals are more important than what Jesus has for you, Jesus says, go ahead and live that life. You're going to get to the end of it, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to look back and say, that's all. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Jesus isn't saying to live a reckless life, to hate your life. But Jesus is contrasting two people. One person thinks they're smarter than Jesus, they're wiser than Jesus, and they're going to do life their way in disregard to what Jesus says. The other person says, what I want isn't as important as what Jesus wants for me. I'm going to choose his way and walk his road. Jesus says, if you do life your way, you're going to lose it. If you do life Jesus's way, you're going to keep it for all of eternity. Now watch this. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. It's that last sentence I want you to see. Why is it important to stay yoked with Jesus, especially in the hard times? Because the Father honors you. You want to know how life change happens? Life change happens when God decides to honor you, to give you grace in your life for your obedience. And all of a sudden you start to say, wow, I'm able to do this or I'm able to see that in a different way. Not because of what you did, but because of what God did in you. That's the source of life change. And if you and I did nothing more in 2024 than simply say, we're going to do our best to stay yoked with Jesus more. We will grow and change and grow spiritually and mature spiritually so much. You want to know why? Because the Father will bless us. You want that blessing in your life? Stay yoked up with Jesus. Simple truth number two. Be honest with God about your doubts. We all have doubts. We all have doubts about God. We all have doubts about his goodness. We all have doubts about, does, does he really have a good plan for me? We all have doubts. But for some reason, so many of us believe that we can't ever give we can't put those doubts into words. We have to put this plastic face on and pretend everything is great and pretend everything's going to be great. And we're going through some real tragic stuff, but we keep saying, oh, everything is great. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Everything is great. But we don't give voice to those doubts. Does God really love me? Why does God let my family go through this? Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God intervene? Why didn't God heal my loved one? We all have doubts, people. What do you do with your doubts? You want a simple step for growth in 24? Be honest about your doubts. I love this story in the Gospel of Mark. A dad has a son who is terribly sick. He's taken him to doctors. He's taken him to anyone he thinks could help his son, and no one can help him. He even brings his son to the disciples and asks the disciples to heal him. The disciples can't heal him. In desperation, the last move dad has is he brings him to Jesus. So it's, it's his last move. And dad brings his son to Jesus 
and says to Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And a lot of us self-righteous people say, look at dad saying to Jesus, if you can. Doesn't he know who he's talking to? Oh, ye of little faith. Don't we do the same thing? Hey, Jesus, I've been struggling with this addiction. Help me if you can. Hey, Jesus, this sin has been beating my butt for decades. I don't know that you can really help me with it because I've tried over and over and over and over again and nothing good ever happens. Hey, Jesus, do you know the generational sin in my family? It's defined my family for generations. I'm no different. I can't do anything different. See, we give voice to the same thing dad's saying. Dad's saying, listen, Jesus, I don't know if you really can help me or not, but I'm desperate. I'm coming to you. Help me if you can. And I love dad's honesty. Look at Jesus' response. What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Now, when we see that, we think what Jesus is saying is, if you muster up enough faith, you can do anything, right? If you muster up enough faith, you can move a mountain. So it's up to me to have enough faith so that good stuff happens. That's not what Jesus is saying. Dad instantly cries out, I do believe, but... But, help me overcome my unbelief. You know what Jesus did for the boy? He healed him. You want to know why he healed him? It wasn't because dad had supernatural faith. It wasn't because dad was this spiritual giant. And he says, oh, Jesus, you're going to heal my son. I have no doubt. You know why Jesus has this story included in the Bible? To show us, be honest with your doubts. Don't hide your doubts from Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. In 2024, bring all of your doubts to Jesus. Don't put this fake face on and say, hey, Jesus, you're awesome. You're so good. Woo, I'm so excited about what you're going to do for me this year. Can't wait. Yeah, let's go. And Jesus looks right through me and says, Rob, you're a liar. You have doubt in your heart and your mind. You don't believe what you're telling me. Jesus sees my doubt. He sees your doubt. And Jesus says, give me your doubt. You got 99% doubt in your life that God's going to give you the ability to overcome an addiction or a sin, or God's going to bring healing or restoration into your life. You have 99% doubt. Great. Bring the 1% faith to Jesus this year and bring the 99% doubt to Jesus and say, here you go, Jesus, it's all yours. I believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief. And watch what he does. That's a small step that you can do, and that's a small step I can do. Third small step, brag about your weaknesses. Woo! Brag about your weaknesses. We hide our weaknesses. We hide our weaknesses. I mean, what do we put all over social media? All the pretty pictures. Right? When you get together with friends and family over the holidays, what do you talk about? Oh, yeah, you know, I got this promotion. Kids are doing great. Kids are going to school. Kids got a great job. Oh, yeah, we talk about all the good stuff. Who do we talk 
about our weaknesses to? Who do you give voice that knows about your weaknesses, your struggles, your discouragements? The thing in your life that keeps tripping you up over and over and over again. Who are you bragging about that to? Listen, I'm not telling you to go home today and broadcast it on social media. Right? Use wisdom. But the Bible says, literally, brag about your weaknesses. I'm not making it up. The Apostle Paul wrote this. The Apostle Paul begged God to heal him. We don't know exactly what's going on with Paul. Our best guess is that he had a degenerative eye disease. And you can see as time goes on where he would write these letters, the epistles. By the time you get to the end of his life, all he's doing is he's signing the epistle at the end. And he's saying in big letters, I'm signing my name. And most likely the reason he's signing in big letters is because he can't see. And Paul's scared to death of losing his eyesight. And he's saying to Jesus, hey, do you have any idea what I can do if I have my eyes? Why would you take my eyesight away from me? He's traveling the world. He's given his life to serve Jesus. He's writing these books, these epistles that become scripture. And Paul's saying, Jesus, why would you let this happen to me? And he's begging God to heal him. And God says, no. Some of us in this room are going to experience tragedy this year. Some of us in this room are going to be diagnosed with terrible stuff. Our loved ones are going to suffer a lot. Relationships are going to fall apart. And I don't share that with you to bring you down. I share that with you because we live in a broken world. And it's a mess. And followers of Jesus Christ are not excused from suffering. And it's not up to me to muster enough faith so that every time I get sick, I heal myself. Because Paul had plenty of faith. And he begged God to heal him. And what did God say? No. Nope. Three times I begged the Lord to take it all away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? Why do we hide our weaknesses? Why? Because we're ashamed. God's power works best in my weakness. God's power works best in your weakness. Embrace it. Own it. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'll brag about my weakness. So the power of Christ can work through me. Then the last sentence, for when I am weak, then I am strong. A small step we can take in 2024. Embrace your weakness. Stop putting off this image. Everything's great. I'm crushing my goals. Everything's perfect. Woo! Who are you having those real conversations with? Who are the people in your life that you're bragging about your weaknesses? 
to humble yourself so that you experience the power of God in a way that you've never experienced before because you're truly embracing your weakness and you're saying to God, unless you come in and do something, I'm done. It's a picture from the warrior event that we had. Warrior event is a men's event that we do here at Bethel. And the end of last year, we did an event and at the end of the night, I invited the men in the auditorium to come forward and in one or two words, there was a group of us men and in one or two words, I, I asked all the guys in the room to come forward and tell us your weakness. Humble yourself. Own it. Embrace it. Brag about it to the two or three guys you're going to pray with so that you can begin to experience the power of God in a profound way because you're not hiding it, you're owning it. And so this is a picture. Before the guys came forward, I huddled up all the guys on stage and I said to them, if I'm asking all of the men in a room to come and embrace their weakness, I'm going to share my weakness with you and ask you for prayer so I can begin to experience the power of God in a profound way, just like I'm asking the guys to do. Who, who do you do that with? Honest. Who knows your weaknesses? Who do you talk to about your weaknesses? about your failings, about the addiction, about the struggle. Don't keep secrets. Because when I keep a secret, I'm keeping the power of God out of my life. So a small step I can take, I can brag about my weaknesses this year and watch what God does. Last thing. Small step I can take in 2024. I can just keep showing up. See, a lot of us think success looks like that. In reality, it looks like that, doesn't it? And it's in that chaos that we grow. It's in that chaos that we experience God's goodness and his faithfulness and his grace. It's in that chaos that we learn, woo, God isn't going to abandon me. He really is taking me through it. But you know why we don't experience that? Because we check out. We just disappear. We mess up and we disappear. We're embarrassed. We disappear. People disappear from church. People disappear from life. People disappear from relationships. They just poof, they're gone. They don't want to face the shame of it. They don't want to confront the reality that they messed up. They don't think it's fixable. And they just disappear. They check out. You know people like that, and I know people like that. You want a simple thing to do in 2024? To experience God's power in your life? Keep showing up. Don't check out. Don't check out. Look at the men and women in the Bible who God used in profound ways. They're mess-ups. They kept showing up, though. Moses killed somebody. 
disappeared for 40 years in the desert, but he kept saying to God, you know what, God, I'm here and I'm ready. And if you ever have something for me to do, I'll do it. And in those 40 years, he kept showing up every day to provide for his family. He was a husband. He was a dad. He kept showing up with God. And 40 years after he started showing up, after he killed someone, God shows up in a burning bush and says, hey, Moses, I got a job for you. Keep showing up, people. Keep showing up. King David has an affair, kills the husband of the woman he slept with. God judges him for it. David keeps showing up afterwards. He doesn't disappear. He owns his shame. He owns it. But he says God is gracious and God is good, and he keeps showing up. And at the end of his life, God says about King David, he's a man after my own heart. The only person in the Bible God ever says that about. Keep showing up, people. Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament, a spokesperson for God. We have a description of Elijah going through the throes of, of what we think is depression. It's dark. He had every right to disappear and say, I'm so ashamed of what I was like. I can't believe what I did. But he kept showing up and God kept using him. Don't disappear this year. Don't check out this year. Keep showing up. Well, Rob, what does keep showing up mean? Keep showing up at church. Well, Pastor Rob, that's self-serving to tell people to keep showing up in church, isn't it? Listen, where else in your week do you set an hour of your week apart to focus on God? Where else in your week do you set an hour of your week to be with a room full of people who are also focusing on God so that collectively we can experience the power of God in a profound way? That's why I keep saying show. I don't care what you did this week. I don't care who you did it with. I don't care how often you did it. Keep showing up. Because what you're saying to God is I'm a mess, but I'm not going to run because you know everything about me. So I'm just going to keep showing up, God. And if you're going to do something, you're going to have to do something with this mess because you, you ain't going to get rid of me. And watch what God does. Watch what he does. So you know what? Life change begins when I yoke up with Jesus. I can do that and so can you. Life change happens when I'm honest with God about my doubts. I can do that and so can you. Life change happens when I experience supernatural strength, right? Or I'm sorry, when I brag about my weaknesses. I can do that and so can you. And life change happens when I refuse to disappear and when I just keep showing up. You know what? I can do that. And so can you. And here's my challenge. You can sit there and say, well, that won't work for me. You know, the only people that I've ever encountered that say it doesn't work for me are the people who aren't willing to try it. Try these four steps and see what God does this year. It's going to be an amazing study, people. We're setting a foundation for the study. Next week, we're going to talk about reframing. What do you do when you go through miserable stuff in your life, terrible stuff in your life, and all you see is bad. 
That's what we're talking about next week, how we can reframe that in our hearts and our minds and begin to see God's goodness in it. It's going to be an amazing topic. Don't miss it. It's going to be a great, great series. So would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. And then we'll sing one more song. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, God, for how you just keep coming after us. You are relentless, Lord. When we run, you run after us. When we mess up, you keep coming after us. When we say we're, we're just losers, you are patient with us, God. And you keep wanting us to just show up, to be where you are, Lord, so that we can experience your power, your goodness in our lives. Lord. And that's my prayer for all of us here, for me, Lord. That this is the year where we just keep showing up. We are relentlessly showing up. We will not remove ourselves from your presence, God. We're not going to remove ourselves from where you're working. And when we mess up, we own it and we get back up and we keep showing up, Lord. Because you are a faithful and a good God. And when we keep showing up and being obedient in the little ways we talked about today, God, you do amazing things, amazing things. That's what we want in our church. That's what we want in our lives this year, God, please. So we're going to do the little things. You got to do the big stuff. And we pray in your son's beautiful name. We agree with this prayer and said, amen. amen.